Welcome to another episode of The Southern Roost, a member of the Flyways and Highways Collective. If you are looking for the show about what's happening in the world of waterfowl, you are in the right place. From the sportsman's paradise capital of the world, I am your host, Aaron Head. Join with me in this endeavor is my co-host, Mr. Ryan Berthelot. Join us as we keep a pulse on the duck beat across our flyways. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Southern Roost Podcast. I'm here with my partners, Mr. John Haffernick and Mr. Dustin Peterson. How y'all doing today? Doing good, man. How you doing? Sure. How you doing? Doing great, man. So we're here to talk about the Redhead Blast. Before we get into that, uh, I was going to go over some basic stuff with y'all. So, John, what was your first uh, inkling or inference into the world of waterfowl? Man, I grew up down here in South Texas. Um a buddy of ours had a piece of property across the bay from where Dustin and I grew up that we were able to have access on duck hunting. And I spent many and many a days out there with my dad and my brothers and and uh, some of the other guys hunting that piece of property. Um, we were kind of right next to a nature conservancy that uh, had a uh, bunch of uh snow geese and ducks that migrated down to it and that's really how i got introduced to duck hunting um we kind of they kind of set it up with a bunch of du uh ponds and from there whenever i whenever we were hunting it just kind of went from there that's how i kind of got into it with my dad and brothers and all them doing it i wasn't old enough when we started doing this to shoot but i kind of got into it through them and whenever i was old enough to start shooting and that's i was able to uh we didn't actually have that property whenever i started uh shooting with them but i kind of got me the fire lit whenever i'd go with them on them cold rainy mornings but uh, that's how i kind of got into it and awesome. Nothing like good hunting with family. How about you, Dustin? Yep. Yeah, I didn't uh I didn't get started until until high school. Um actually one of John Mark's favorite people in the world, Bryson Hewitt, was uh who I got into duck hunting with. It's a little bit of sarcasm for John there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh no, I was uh a junior in high school and uh, my buddy Bryson, who I was playing a lot of golf with, I was playing golf golf with John too, but he got some uh, really cruddy decoys given to him by a uh, by a guy we knew from Palacios. A bunch of old, I mean, they were black. The paint was all scraped off of them. Just it was like two dozen black teal decoys, or what used to be teal colored decoys. So, um, I had uh, I didn't have a boat. He uh, he had Daddy's boat, so we decided to take it out one time and try our hand at it we didn't do too hot we shot a few but we shot enough and it was fun enough and just you know getting out there all the setup all the extra work that we put into it um uh, it was just exciting so i mean it was from the from our first hunt with two dozen black teal <laughs> uh until now i've never stopped i've been hunting ducks now for whatever 12 13 years oh so, yeah. John got in uh, on the beginning with us there. When we started getting serious, we started piecing together decoys here and there. And next thing you knew, we had a, you know, four or five dozen 
half black decoy spread from all the decoys we pulled out of the marsh and got given to us from people who had forgotten about them in their garage. You so, know, you know, I started with friends. My dad was a, a deer hunter and a dove hunter. He never liked ducks too much, but he does now. Nice. You know, I, I got one story when me and Dustin hunted with that guy. We were hunting Turtle Bay, and uh, we were shooting some bluebills. I think we ended up killing a couple of redheads that morning. And we it was getting late in the morning, about nine o'clock, nine thirty. And uh, we were thinking about giving it up, and all of a sudden, we had a group of like three buffalo heads come in, and we killed them all. And that dude started freaking out, "We got buffalo heads!" Woo! <laughs> I remember that one. That was a funny one. Oh yeah, nothing wrong with that. We love buffalo heads over here in Louisiana. But yeah, back to what Dustin was saying. Hey, they ain't no better price than free. You know, we, you get what you start off with up here on Catahoula yeah. Lake, where a lot of my buddies hunt. They they literally still spray coke bottles they say they move the best with the wind or an old bleach bottle that has that old handle so you don't, yep. have to, you don't have to tie a loop it already has a loop on the handle for you just tie a string through it they say that's some of the best decoys there still is nothing yeah. wrong with that but we can get get into kind of why we're here today so we're here for the rhb the redhead blast duck hunting tournament and uh the way i found y'all was uh through a facebook post on some just generic waterfowl facebook post website and my buddy that sends it to me and so my connection is uh so i'm originally most of the listeners i've heard this story before but i'm originally from fort worth texas my whole family's from that county right south of fort worth right there and my grandpa has always been a big fisherman always fisherman he's the crappie master or the sockele master for those in louisiana and uh pretty much we'd always take at least one or two trips to the texas coast every year and we would always go to port o'connor so i've i've been in port o'connor at least once or twice a year every year since i've been about i feel like i was like either eight or nine or 10 years old the very first time he let me go with him so it was and up until high school that's what we did at least one time a year and so uh when i saw port o'connor on the bottom of that thing i'm like hey i'm kind of familiar with that place like i know exactly where port o'connor is i i kind of know how to run the channels just from doing the main channel run like once a year that through through fisherman's cut there so when i saw that my buddy sent it to me he's like hey we gotta go i'm like i know that place i can help guide us kind of at least the you know a little bit so uh that's kind of how we started uh, coming down there with y'all and meeting y'all and kind of getting into this thing for real. So kind of explain to us, I guess, what brought y'all to create the Redhead Blast Duck Hunting Tournament. And then we can go from explaining what it is thereafter. Yeah. Um, so how I I kind of come up with the idea and I involved Dustin and we involved another buddy when we kind of first, uh, when I first kind of came up with this, I had a, a pretty bad, uh, anxiety attack when I was living down there, and I thought I was having a heart attack. I'll tell you straight up, I it wasn't it wasn't fun. I had called nine one one and all this, and the first people showed up was the volunteer fire department there in Port O'Connor. Um, my blood pressure was super high, my heart rate was way up there, and they did what they could for me till the Calhoun County EMS got there, and so I was talking to them like, you know, what can I do for y'all? You know. They, they they don't charge no money being volunteer um there was no no bill in the mail none of that stuff and so i'm like well, what can i do for you well i've lived down i lived down there for probably two years three years at that time before up to having that pretty bad anxiety attack where it really felt like i was having a heart attack um i'm like what can we do well biggest things down there 
you know Port O'Connor is hunting and fishing. And if you ain't hunting and fishing, you're drinking. Um, the <laughs> So I'm like, well, everybody duck hunts down here. There's no duck hunting tournament. And so me and Dustin got together and started talking about it. And the first year we did it, we we didn't advertise very well. Uh, we had eight teams total. We just pretty much advertised right around Port O'Connor. Um, not a lot of people heard about it. I figured I'd get quite a few people interested because the day we do the duck hunt tournament, everybody's going hunting no matter what. You know, whether they're just taking a guided trip out or they're taking just some friends, everybody's hunting. I'm like, well, why don't people want to try to win a little money while they're hunting? You know, so that's how it kind of all got started. And our first year, we had eight teams, like I said, and we were we were able to donate like five hundred dollars to the volunteer fire department then because wow, I was like, good. I just want to, I wanted to raise some funds because they help they help people out, you know, and they helped me out, and I I was just trying to give back to the community, so that's how it kind of got started. I got you, and kind of give our listeners. I mean, we have varying listeners from across several states that may not know this exact area, so just kind of describing Port O'Connor best I can without, you know, no pictures on a podcast, right? So it's like, imagine really tiny hunting fishing town at the end of a peninsula. And it's literally the highway just runs straight into the, into the bay. And like, there's, there's no, there, it's a dead end. It's a dead end town into the mm-hmm. road, into the road, into the world. Um, but it's all 99% public land hunting. That's what really drew me and how amazing that is being from Louisiana, where we, well, we have a lot of public land. Uh, over in Louisiana, it's not the easiest accessible for good duck hunting. Uh, like we have a rule in Louisiana, like you better know where you're at. And if you step out the boat, you better know where you're at. Cause I would say 85% of our good duck hunting properties that are public, you'll sink to China. Like there's no bottom. Yeah. And uh, yeah. so what I remember about being in Port O'Connor from my early days as fishing as a kid, I'm like, Oh yeah, you could get out the boat. You could walk around all over there. Like, and I started thinking about it in my head. I'm like, Imagine if all that is actually public land, you can get out and there's just about as long as you can see the bottom, it's it's all hard sand and you ain't going to go all the way through. And I thought that was a really cool idea. I told my friends, I'm like, hey, if this all really is public land and if the videos are on YouTube, what they really see they are and we never shoot redheads in Louisiana, we got to go check this out. So kind of give a, yep. a backdrop, yep. backdrop to kind of how it is. Y'all can add to that description. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like you yeah, said, yeah. Port Connor's end of the road. You got to be going there to get there. Um, for some of your viewers who are not familiar with Texas and where we're at, where we're located, um, if you look at a map, it's Matagorda Bay is where Port Connor is located. Um, we're kind of right there. It, it's right next to the Gulf of Mexico. So if you look at Matagorda Bay and you're looking at a picture, <coughs> the bottom left of Matagorda Bay is right where Port Connor is located. And then uh, if you're zooming way out, the nearest big, you know, quote unquote city is like Rockport, Texas, is, but it's way over there in Victoria, another big, big town. It's to the north, but then Victoria. the big metro- metro- metropolis is Houston. And of course, that's still two and a half hours, three hours away. So correct. So that's kind of where, where you're at. But uh, so kind of pretty cool deal there. Why you created it to kind of give back to the volunteer fire department. I know all of our little local tiny Cajun towns, they all they all have a volunteer fire department. And you're right. Like it's all just volunteer and they have a lot of old equipment and uh thought that's a pretty cool story right there yeah and you know the volunteer fire departments and they don't they don't really get enough recognition because there's a lot of times that you're sleeping that they're up 
at a emergency. Period. The end. Um, I know I, I was on the volunteer fire department over here where I was living at last year, and you know, two thirty in the morning, you get a call, and you either you got to respond, either you respond or you don't. But most of the time, you responded, and some of those, some of that stuff early in the morning is not fun, especially when it involves, let's say, a animal, you know, collision. There's there's some stuff out there that's just not fun, you know. Oh, for sure, for sure, can relate to that. So you mentioned how you had eight teams the very first year. What year would would that have been? What was that? 2018. 2018 was the first year. 2018, I think. Yeah. Awesome. So yeah, not too brand new. Brand new. I yeah, think it was, was it earlier than that or no? Uh, this would be our. Uh, Seventh annual. We're at year seven, I think, ain't we? Yeah, this January will be our seventh annual. It's funny because our first year was so uh, so unorganized, and honestly, it's hard to think about uh, the first year that we did it because it was kind of thrown together. I, I was living in I was living in Louisiana because that's where I was working. Uh, I was in Morgan City, okay. and uh, John just kind of called me one day because we you know, we I haven't really kept up with anybody throughout the years. I've been the Coast Guard, so you know I, I travel and I've been out of state pretty much for you know close to eight years before I got back. And uh, the only person I kept up with was John because uh, he wouldn't stop calling me. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but he I called still, me, man. I still I'll, call you. <laughs> yeah, I know. We were down. I was in Louisiana. He called me. I was like, "Hey, man, what do you think about a duck hunting tournament?" I was like, "Well, I've never thought about it before," you know uh what's up and so uh kind of lost my train of thought <laughs> what we were talking about oh yeah i was just talking about the very first uh tournament what year that might have been for y'all oh you yeah because that was in like that was in like late october so it was all last minute our, our first round of shirts were vinyl press-ons they came from uh what mugs.com Something like that. <laughs> yeah, some chintzy website that we just we got them last minute. They were uh, they were black shirts with one color orange vinyl, and uh, so, I mean we kind of we we auctioned off a uh, a Stoger M three thousand. It was the pump, pump. yeah, yeah pump. A, pump, a pump Stoger, uh, and that was year one. It was kind of just whatever we could get our hands on last minute out of pocket without going broke. Uh, because yeah. we didn't have any money either. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, we we started so. we started this tournament from nothing. I mean, I think year one, I might have had to borrow some money from my mom just to get this thing going. And mm -hmm. we, we had some shirts. I think Dustin uh helped pay for shirts, which we were able to pay him back for that. And I, like I said, it was only eight teams. It was so small when we first started that we didn't know if it was gonna go anywhere. We were we were like me and Dustin were talking about it. Like, we don't have at least 10, 15 teams that want to do this. Do we continue? Yeah. And, and, and these, these eight teams showed up for it. And we said, you know, we're going to run it. And I don't know what we paid out the first year. It wasn't a lot of money. Yeah, it might have been the winners might have made double their money. But gotcha. It, it was just thrown together last minute. You know, I think we had three months to prepare for it. We actually had to have a we had a last minute team meeting at registration because they were all still there at Hurricane yeah. Junction 
that's the first place we had it. It was a small little bar. I don't know. I'm sure you've been there. Um, but we had to have a meeting with them because we had said we were going to do originally payouts first, second, third, and third. Yeah. And we were like, guys, we don't have enough to pay out places, you know? So we had to talk to all the teams. Hey, it's either winner take all or we cancel it. And they all agreed to winner take all. So I think they actually did make a little bit of money because we did a winner take all instead of payouts. Gotcha. But yeah. We, it was uh, shooting from the hip. Well, awesome. So we talked a little bit about the first time. So I know they'll come a long way. How many teams uh, do y'all have now, roughly? Uh, our biggest year is 22. I think that was two years ago. And then last year, we actually dropped five teams. So I think we went down to 17 last year. Okay. But but it doesn't – the amount of people showing up just for the event, just for the raffles, mm-hmm. all that stuff is – is there i mean we're still like you've seen it we're still selling out of all our raffle tickets for our guns for all of our table items and everything you know um it's it's become something that a lot of those guys that come hunt and there's one there's a couple teams in particular they come hunt even if they win money they donate it back because they know it's going to volunteer fire department and they might win 250 bucks that would cover their entry. Well, some of their entry fee, but it, they're like, Nope, I don't care. I'm just doing this for y'all and for the volunteer fire department, you know? Awesome. Mm, yeah. So, That's awesome. So, so we're going to move into, uh, so we talked about where y'all started, kind of where you're at now. Explain how it all works. Cause whenever I was reading to them, like, man, this is a really cool, fascinating idea on how it's a little bit, in my opinion, I'm going to let y'all get into it, but in my opinion, it's a little bit of, little bit of skill you gotta know how to hunt ducks you kind of gotta know where they are at least put yourself in a position to where at least they'll fly by you but after that it's it's dumb luck uh in my opinion which that's why i think it's it's pretty uh pretty fun so y'all go ahead and explain how it kind of works yeah so how our tournament works is basically like any other fishing tournament in the world if you've ever fished in a fishing tournament it's all by weight so with that being said like you said, it's dumb luck. You got to be in the right spot to have the right birds come in. And it's, you know, redhead hunting's different than maybe, say, going to your local um, public uh, lands place. And you might have a group of teal come, or several big groups of teal, or you might have onesies, twosies come in, or you might have a group of, of like three or fours. Redhead hunting's different. Um, yeah, you do get your singles come in and stuff, but if you've ever been on the coast of Texas, ever looked up any of that stuff, when a big raft of ducks breaks up, sometimes it's nonstop action for five, ten minutes, and you get groups of 10 to 50 to 100 birds come into your spread, and it it's pretty exciting. So mm-hmm. you're kind of making it to where, it's a three-man team. Is this is this is this how we set this up? Three-man team. You can only shoot two redheads per person. That's um, the that's the legal limit. I want to rephrase that. It's the legal limit. Um, Central Flyway, I guess, state of Texas sets that yep. to where the max you can shoot is two per person. So yeah, yeah, right. we get them by the thousands, but I guess we're the only ones that get them like that. So I've we, never seen it anywhere else. We get eighty percent of the redhead population in the in the United States. Um, so, I mean, these, when these rafts break up, 
and if you're in the right spot, you're going to get lots of looks at birds. Whether you pull the trigger or not is up to you. Because once you shoot your two, you're done for the day. So, yeah, on the redheads. And so it's still six birds you're allowed to kill. At least that's here in Texas is six birds. And so that leaves you options for other stuff for our side pots. But um, we take your four heaviest redheads out of your six birds that we weigh. We weigh all six of them. If you want us to weigh all six of them, if you are pretty confident about your four heaviest, then that's how we do it. Um, we call that's that's how it's all about weight so you get a group of 50 birds come in it kind of you got you got to be a sharpshooter okay that's a bigger bird than that one next to it you got to try to kill that bird out of it you know right and that's i'm not to that level yet also because this is maybe my third year going i'm still just amazed that more than 10 ducks are coming in at one time because that i mean it happens every now and then with teal season in louisiana or a group of teal but we don't get like a. I've only ever killed like three mallards in Louisiana, and where I hunt, so we don't get big flocks of mallards. Our biggest flock I think I've ever seen come through. Our gray ducks are like our, uh, which are which are gadwall, are our favorite ducks that are big ducks coming through, and they'll they'll be a, a flock of twenty every now and then. We'll do it right with you, but that's very rare. But until you go out on the Texas coast and see what it's like to have a hundred ducks turn and cup up and like try to land. <laughs> I'm still in the in the process of like, oh my gosh, shoot them. And uh, I'm not worried about which one's bigger. Like the second one on the third row from the left is bigger than the one in the front. I, there's no way I'm doing that yet. So I'm still just in the excited, excited phase. But uh, yeah. So, well, I was saying not many people are. I mean, I don't even, I'm not. I've been hunting them down here for, for, for over a decade. I still, a hundred birds come in. How are you going to stare at a hundred birds and, have the discipline to pick out the biggest one. I mean, I'm shooting the two closest ones, and if they're big drakes, they're big drakes. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, y'all talked about, so it's uh, three people per team, so that gets you two redheads a person. So if you have three people, the max you can kill is 18 ducks. So that's that's one, one side of your uh, stringer, right? So go ahead and break it down right. on, on the two the two brackets. So that's a third of your total legal limit for the day. 18 birds, you're at six already. So everything else that we do, uh, another big uh, population of birds we get down here is pintails. And so we call it the POC limit. If you go out there and hunt a day, you're going to kill your two redheads and usually you kill your pintail. Now, I think the limit is still one. I don't think it has jumped back up. Correct. Still one. Two. Because in the past, tournaments we've had where it was two pintails okay. and so you'd kill your two redheads your two pintails and you'd be done unless you were waiting for other birds which would be your doe grease for louisiana guys your your uh, blue bills and buffalo heads and stuff like that um we also have heavy side pots in this tournament uh, we have well poc limit is the one i was kind of hitting on it's your two heaviest redheads out of your six and a pintail and that's our other mandatory pot in this tournament um how how actually we're structuring it this year is a little different than past years uh we're actually we're actually adding a puddle duck division so some of these private land guys who have um private leases and they're not getting a bunch of redheads we're actually adding a deal for them 
it was, I think we we're doing 225 a team. It's three man team still. And it's your, I don't think we've quite figured out. Maybe it's your 12 heaviest ducks out of your 18, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, yeah. I don't quite remember what we decided on that, but we're making it to where they can't just enter the POC limit or the redhead stringer if they're doing puddle duck side. We're making it to where if you're hunting the redhead stringer and the POC limit, you have the option this year where you want, if you want to, you can hunt the puddle duck side too, because you still got 12 birds you can kill. And if they're all puddle ducks, spoonies, widgeon, gadwall, stuff like that, you can still have a chance to win a little bit more money in that uh, puddle duck side. I got you, but it's, it's going to be an option this year. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be an yeah. option for people who are actually doing redhead blast or redhead stringer and our POC limit. It's going to be an option. If you hunt an area that where there is a bunch of puddle ducks, then you can put in for that too, if you want to. And that's and then, up to the team. And then I don't but, remember we've talked about it. You can, uh, you can just hunt the puddle duck division if you want to. Okay. Makes Correct. sense. Yeah, yeah. You can, you can, if you're hunting a lease, then all you got to pay for is the, you know, I'm not going to shoot any divers because I'm hunting this lease on a rice field. All I'm going to shoot is puddle ducks, and you can just enter the puddle, puddle duck division. Duck. Gotcha. Makes so. sense. So, kind of recapping yeah. overall, you got the two main brackets. The traditional brackets have been your Fort O'Connor limits. So that's two redheads, one pintail, heaviest two redheads, heaviest pintail. And then you got your redhead stringers, the other side of the bracket was mandatory for this tournament. And that's your four heaviest redheads. What confused me the first, you can mix and match. So like your two biggest redheads out of your four can also be the two in your Port O'Connor limit. Correct. 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 So awesome. And then the, you mentioned the side pots waiting for the ducks to come through that. That's been my funnest game in my opinion. So I started this, I guess the year y'all had the most teams. That was two years ago. Correct. And, uh, it's like you, we try to get there. Um, Two days before the tournament, uh, we wake up like 5 or 6 a.m. here in Louisiana, kind of do a big carpool convoy, come over. We try to make an afternoon hunt, wake up the next morning, do a morning hunt, and then an afternoon hunt on Friday. And then the tournament's only Saturday morning, uh, correct? And then so basically, uh, I'll let y'all break into the details of that here in a second. But that's what I try to do. So you get three kind of scout hunts in there. And our side pots that my teams decide to do is usually based upon what we see. So I will say... It's never worked because the side like, oh yeah, we killed like uh uh like six dogree last three with between last between three of us on last three hunts, you know. Uh let's, let's put that side pot in morning of the tournament. We don't see one come by. And then last year, uh the only thing we saw was a buffalo head. So we put in for the buffalo head side pot. And then sure enough, my team killed four widgeon. So I've learned that uh I need to change up my my routine on what I do side pots for. Either put in for all of it or uh this maybe this pick one out of a hat or something. Um, so that's basically your heaviest uh, bird within that species. And um, and you don't have to win the regular bracket to to win your side pot. If you have this, the fattest buffalo head, you might place dead last in the tournament, but you still win whatever's money is in that pot. Correct. Correct. Yeah, that's correct. So that's pretty yeah, cool. Art. Good. Yeah. Uh, I was gonna say, I think you mentioned previous years, how y'all have done a fun little side bets, like longest sprig on a pintail, you know, I guess pluck it out and measure it, things like that. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, we we didn't really have that much interest on longest sprig that year. We did. We did one year. Um, we didn't have really that much interest on it. 
So gotcha. we kind of dropped that one. But I think this year we're adding maybe the heaviest spoonie, the heaviest teal, and maybe a couple other ones. I know on the puddle duck side, we're adding a bunch of puddle ducks in there that mm -hmm. you might not see on the bay, which would be a, you'll see them on the bay, a spoonie or a teal and stuff like that, you know. We're adding a gadwall legion. I think we're going to add a mallard. Well, I think we're going to add a mallard in there. Gadwall's already been tournament gotcha so uh back to when the tournament actually is it's going to be saturday morning right and then uh yes. up until you said what time's the weigh-in usually uh you have to be in the parking lot at sharky's barn grill by noon gotcha okay so yeah we I, have to make eye contact with you by noon if you're pulling in you're like wait 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 you count but if you gotcha. are at 1201 and you're not there or you're pulling at 12 and 1, it doesn't count. Right. Gotcha. And now, you know, like 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 you've seen it, we do our event at a barn grill. Um, they enjoy having us there. Looks like uh, we'll be there again this year mm -hmm. at the same place. Um, you never know what this year holds. We might have that place packed to the gills, you know? <laughs> I hope we have it packed to the gills. And then I will say it's a very official operation you'll have. So um, me knowing Port O'Connor, you know, it's kind of like a end of the road, you know, a lot of welders. They have a Coast Guard station. It's not a lot. It's a lot of odd jobs and fishermen, duck hunting village. So I didn't I thought maybe y'all would have like a, a fishing stringer for weighing. But no, y'all have an official like certified scale. It's the real deal. Y'all zero it. Y'all tear it before. And then y'all do a lie detector test at the end for the winners to make sure you followed all the legal laws and limits. So I want to put out that to all the listeners that this is not just some Joe Schmo, couple duck hunters that are just uh, coon asses putting this together. It's actually a pretty well-run operation, in my personal opinion, on how y'all keep it all strict and uh, legal and legit. So I'm pretty, I pretty. thank y'all for that. that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. We also don't let you weigh in a water-soaked bird, so don't get that in your head either. Yeah, you got to be dry. <laughs> that's that's in the rules. Your bird's got to be dry. Um, a water-soaked bird doesn't count. If it you threw it in by the ice chest and you let them soak up a bunch of water, yep, it does not count. So. We also log your time when you weigh in, and uh, in the case of a tie, time prevails. Yeah. Oh, good. Whoever weighs first. And then we've so talked a lot about it um, in general. And so if you want to remind the listeners kind of when the uh, this tournament is that we're promoting here this year. This year is the second weekend of January. I do believe that date is January 11th and 12th. Uh, the 11th would be the Friday. I got you right here. It's the January uh, 12th and 13th, 2024. That's 12th to Friday, 13th to Saturday. Day, yes. So the 12th is our uh, registration day. Uh, we hold registration at Charkey Barn Grill in Port Connor from 5 until about 9, 9.30. Um, our duck hunters don't want to stay out all night drinking um, and having a good time because they got to get up early. So we usually cut off registration about 9, 9.30, and we do our raffle right after that. Um, the 13th to shoot the hunt, um, it starts 30 minutes prior to uh sunrise sunrise and you can hunt all the way up till 12 o'clock if you want to but you might not make the way in you know right and and the one thing i want to i want to uh hit on is there is no boundary you don't have to hunt port o'connor if you want to hunt down towards rockport or up towards galveston you just got to make it back 
to our park to the parking lot of Sharky Barn Grill by noon. Yep. So yeah. you made it stick for me no- the very first year. You were saying like you can hunt anywhere in the U.S. you want to as long as you're here by <laughs> noon on you, the day of the weigh-in. You got the money and you got a fast enough jet to get you there. You're more than welcome to hunt all the way up in Canada, and we don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Oh man. Man, so uh, yeah, then, uh, Friday, Friday, the uh, when we do the registration night, uh, obviously, you know, like the tournament's fun, uh, but the fun night obviously is registration. We've got the raffle, we're selling 50 50 tickets, we've got a gun raffle. Uh, last couple of years, I've made uh, cornhole boards, custom cornhole boards. Uh, so there's only like two sets of those in existence, so you got to come out to get your third. Uh, but that's when the party is. I mean, if we're at we're at Sharky's Bar and Grill. They usually do a steak night, um, so they bring in a lot of people uh, that are just there for the steaks, and that's how we usually sell on our Apple tickets, just because of the foot traffic at Sharky's. Um, but Friday night is the fun night, right? We all get together, we go over the rules, we thank everybody, we sell raffle tickets. Everybody has a couple beers and a steak, and that's when everybody gets together and hangs out. Obviously, set, uh, Saturday is a little bit more more business, right? Everybody's waking up in the morning, shooting their ducks, coming back to Sharky's for the weigh-in, getting themselves some lunch, and then it's kind of over from there. Um, but. Awesome. So, yeah, I've loved the, the raffle the night before. Me and my team love going there, seeing beating all the teams. Last thing we didn't mention, y'all do a social media contest division. And uh, see, so yeah, my team won it two years ago, our first time in there. And then we narrowly got beat this past year by another young team. In my defense, my grandpa, he's, he's, he's about to turn 80. So it was only me and my other partner on my team this year that were doing all the Facebook posts. So it was only two versus three. So we got outposted. Uh, I know we're on a public podcast. So y'all take all the time in the world to decide this. But I had some ideas because I ain't going to lie. We were just going for numbers. So both teams at, towards the end were just posting just absolute trash pictures. Like, yeah. I wonder yeah. if there's a way we can make that more quality oriented uh, this upcoming year instead of just aiming for the highest total posts on the factual well, Facebook page. You know, we were, we, we, we were sitting there talking about that uh, because, you know, they did post some stuff that uh, wasn't relative to the date. And there was some stuff in there, uh, a deer each one guy shot and all this and that's not when we started that social media giveaway we kind of put it towards the day hey we want to see we want y'all to post on our social media about your day you know waking up at three o'clock in the morning getting to your spot uh brushing your blind if you needed to you know or throwing out decoys stuff like that you know something that's relevant to the day you know uh come in before before shooting light or and they decoy and do it right i mean that's that's what we want to see and that's something we might have to address this year um on it i know i know y'all got into a battle with that other group and i think there was over like 600 posts or something like it was that crazy absolute the, crazy <laughs> yeah and it was it was ridiculous which which that helps the tournament out you know getting getting hashtag rhb outdoors out there it is it kind of helps um that's what we've been we've been looking at and we might have to change the rules say no you can't post deer you shot a month ago you know or you can't post some stuff from last year post what's relevant to the day i mean that's just that's what it should be about yeah my buddy uh john on my team was suggesting like hey like each team 
gets 10 posts and it's like the highest quality. I, I don't know how you'd measure that. You have to get a separate panel of judges and like, I, I don't know how to do it based on what he was saying, but it made sense. Like you, each team gets 10 posts because I mean, the amount of likes I don't think would matter in this. It's such a tight little community group, but like he had a picture when we got checked by the game warrants coming back in on tournament day and they were like, Hey, you want to pose for a picture? And it was two girls. And so like we posed the game warrants and he just thought that was hilarious. So it's like stuff like that, yeah. you know, uh, yeah, that actually happened to us on the day we were just trying to think of some way to keep it. When we were posting like pictures of door handles going into the bathroom at Sharky's just to kind of get a, num- yeah. a number, you know, I mean, it was just the silly stuff is what we ended up doing um, just to kind of keep it tight. So y'all you know, had based the rules on number of posts on the given day up until noon, you know, so we were going within the right. rules best we could. So, uh, and, and, and that's something we, we never specified because we never thought it would get that big. We never right. thought two groups would go at it. For you know, and like me and Dustin were talking about earlier, our prizes don't suck for that social media giveaway. They're not like just twenty dollar uh, items for the the social media giveaway. I mean, I think this past year we spent maybe sixty bucks per person, and it's three man teams, so been one hundred eighty bucks for prizes. You know. Yeah, man, we got on a uh, cleaning, media, ugly yeah. stick cleaning knives the first year, three of them, you know, fish cleaning knives, and that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So uh, when you're not from there, that's kind of what we look forward to winning because, I mean, we don't, we're not, we're not the local guys. We're driving five, six plus hours to to get over here. We don't get the opportunity to do any pre scout. We come two or three days early. And that's the only chance we get to pre scout. I will say in regards to that, I've limited out the day before the tournament, and every time we go to the tournament, we first year we only shot one redhead. <laughs> That's what we weighed in. Yeah. Last year we we downed six redheads, but only were able to get to four, unfortunately, and we shot four widgeon. So those four redheads weren't uh didn't make the uh I don't think they make the top five or anything like that, but we held our own a little bit better this year at least. And then yeah. uh we went out after the tournament, limited out. I mean both times, both years, two years ago and last year. It's crazy, like uh I mean it's just duck hunting, you know, it's just luck well, of the draw. You know, prior uh, day before tournament, didn't y'all kill some East Coast ducks down Dude, there? Dude, two years ago, it was the most phenomenal thing we'd ever seen. And so, like, in Louisiana, I mean, it's y'all are on the Gulf Coast, too. Y'all y'all know brushing is paramount. But to be honest, I mean, the way the terrain sits is, like, you're the tallest thing out there. It's a bunch of old mangrove leaves. Unfortunately, a freeze a couple of years ago killed them. So, it's all basically brown sticks on top of, like, sandbars, basically, and a little bit of mud. That's what they grow yep. in a couple of greeneries coming back here and there. And it's a little bit of salt grass, but a human being is the tallest thing out there. So it's hard to hide. There's a lot of blinds people have built over the years and continue to upkeep. And they use a lot of like palmetto leaves and palm branches to, and that get brown and you cut them off from town and you can drive them out there and, and uh, you can build you a nice wooden blind, but the blinds stick out like a sore thumb Yeah, in, Lu- in Louisiana they wouldn't work in our marshes personally. Uh, I think we have way too much pressure than y'all do relative, relative speaking apples to apples, but um, for y'all it works. And so we got in a blind that wasn't brushed. We brought some palm leaves from town, but we made it look a little bit better, but we were like, Oh man, I, we got there that morning. like, we're going to stick out like a sore thumb. So then first thing shooting light rolls up all of a sudden three pintails come in and that's like, dude, that's like, a treat for Louisianans. Like we shoot pintails. Like I'll shoot, you know, five pintails a year, you know, in Louisiana. But when the first three come in are like trophy ducks, I'm like, Oh my God, kill them. And so we, we roll them. And then, uh, then the redheads start picking up early, you know, shoot a couple of groups of 15 that pass by. 
you know, green winged teal keep on coming in all morning. And so we're up to like 12 ducks. All of a sudden, this group of three ducks come in straight down the kill hole in this blind. We thought they were bufflehead. We get all excited. I've never killed a bufflehead. Still haven't to this day. My, my buddies have. They live over on like Pontchartrain side of the state. So they kill a lot of buffaloheads. Um, but we, he goes out there, picks them up. He's like, Aaron, these are old squaw. So we killed three old squaws. They weren't fully, you know, they're all juveniles. They didn't have a long, a long tail or nothing like that, but still phenomenal. We ended up getting 18 that day. Um, limit of redheads, uh, two pintails, the three old squaws, and then green winged teal made up the rest of the bag. And that was the evening before the tournament. We're like, we're definitely coming back here tomorrow. Killed one head, one redhead. Yeah. So, Every day is different out there, you know. Hundred percent. Y'all, y'all killed old squad. I've never killed old squad down there. I lived down there for five years. I never killed old squad. I don't think I ever seen one. But one other thing I did kill was surf scoters. I had mm-hmm. I've killed surf scoters down there. Um, I know I've killed a white wing scoter when I was working on the redfish farm over towards Palacios. Killed a white wing scoter. I mean, there's some other ducks that come down there, just not your everyday central flyway birds. No, no, for and, sure. I've seen, I mean, it's crazy the diversity I've seen just in a four day, you know, weekend hunt that we do down there. The I've killed up until last year's tournament, I'd only killed maybe two or three widgeon in my entire life. And then to kill four on the day of the tournament this year. Uh, the most recent year, this past January, that was pretty pretty cool. And one of them was definitely like full full mounter mountable. But you get dirty out there; everything gets dirty real quick in Port O'Connor. So it didn't look mountable, and we brought it back to the way in. But uh, yeah, but yes, yeah, it was cool. So definitely, definitely love the tournament. Looking forward to it this year already. Um, so moving on, kind of through here. Uh, I know y'all made a nonprofit um, recently to like an official nonprofit entity for this. Tell me a little bit how that works and kind of what all that lets you do and or not do we're still working on that um uh, we want to be a not-for-profit organization um we're we've hung we got a little hung up on uh some paperwork right I now gotcha. um we're 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 slowly slowly getting there um our not-for-profit basically be like what we're doing right now we're donating to charitable organizations our biggest goal that we have set for ourselves is to be able to help volunteer fire departments up and down the uh, Gulf Coast of Texas and all across Texas. And if we expanded into some other states, we'd want to help a not a volunteer fire department with something, whatever event we decide to do. So that's our biggest goal that we have set for ourselves. And that's what we're trying to do. Again, since we're down here, Port O'Connor, Port Lavaca area is uh, Edna is where a lot of our stuff takes place. We try to help out volunteer fire departments around there. It might not be, hey, we go straight to them and say, hey, we're going to do this for you. We do an event. We did an event in Ganada, and we didn't go straight to them. And we still managed to donate a little money. Gotcha. Um, like, I, like I said, our biggest goal is to build RHB Outdoors to where we can help volunteer fire departments because volunteer fire departments have limited funding. Um, Their funding is not so limited to where they can't do their necessary job tasks, but maybe a specialty piece of equipment that they need 
that they want to do, uh, want for what they do around their area, you know? So that's where we're going with RHB Outdoors. And, and like anything else, any brand that you've ever seen that come out, it takes time. It takes building. It takes people getting to know who we are and what we're about. Oh, for sure. It's like we built this podcast, brainstorming it since the end of last season and started rolling out with it uh, this summer. So, you know, we made a collective flyways and highways collectives, our overall brand collective. Ryan's in charge of the blog. I'm in charge of the podcast. We're, we got another buddy. He's getting into filmography. So we might have a film guy in here soon. So I totally get the what it takes to build something up. Uh, and, uh, so, with with RHB Outdoors, we we are non for profit. We do we do have our letter back from the Secretary of the State of Texas, so we are recognized as a non profit for the state of Texas. The hang up for us right now is uh, the five hundred one c three status, which is our uh, tax exempt status, right. which obviously would be what would allow us to be able to uh, give anybody who would make a donation their their form so they can write that up on their taxes so we've got the non-profit status we we are non-profit we just need the tax exempt is the is the big uh hiccup for us right now uh we are we're working on should have it pretty soon awesome hopefully i'll get that soon uh what are some of our sponsors of the tournament um dustin some of maybe i've had previously i want to mention on this podcast uh right now right now our our Recurring sponsor has been uh, Sharky's Sharky's Bar and Grill. Uh, the first year, to the first two years, it was uh, Hurricane Junction, uh, and then the owners moved and they bought Sharky's. So now it's Sharky's. Uh, for the first four years, we were going with uh, Porter Connor Rod and Yun. Uh, they did a lot for us, and we were very appreciative of everything that they would donate uh, to our raffles, and that's who we were buying our guns from. Um, we slid away from them for the gun last year. Um, I think Porter Connor Rod and Gun was under new management, correct, John? Is that yeah, they're yeah, under new so management far. this year. Gotcha. So we got uh we've been, we've gotten the last couple of years from Jekos, Jekos out of Porter Connor. Uh they've also donated and given us big price breaks on stuff. We so we had some nice GHD duck decoys uh from Jekos. And then the gun, we moved our gun and we bought it in uh, Victoria All Sports. Right. That, that's where we got it from last year. We did, uh, what kind did we do? What was that called? It was. We uh, did a retail last year. Retail. Yeah, retail is automatic. We did the Gordian from retail last year. Um, and, you know, that's one thing I want to elaborate on. Um, I think that's what we're going to go for this year is a, a retail, but we might bump it up to the higher expense. The, Masai Mara, I think, is that's what they're calling their high-end gun now. Um, I've done some research on their guns, like their guns. I don't have one personally, but they're doing some stuff that other companies are not doing with their guns. Once we uh, once we get that five hundred one C three, we are looking at some bigger companies, local companies. Uh, uh, we have some people that work at it for most of plastics that I know would jump on and and you know sponsor a team or two for sure you know if we got that five one three and we we know some other people that that work for some of these other chemical plants around here uh that would definitely be sponsoring teams so we do have a sponsorship letter uh and we are opening it up this year for official sponsors we want to put sponsors on our shirts we want to get a banner made and we want the sponsors 
you know, printed out on the banner. Um, so we actually do have a letter and we have three different sponsor packages um, that come with, you know, different perks for each one. Uh, John, you got, I don't know if you got a copy of that letter handy. Um, but so we are working on actual official sponsorship packages. That way we can um, give more official recognition to the, to the people that, that help us out every year. Awesome. We've got a lot of help from the uh, Port O'Connor Chamber of Commerce too. Uh, yes. They've actually been pushing the tournament pretty hard for us on their own social media platforms uh, the last couple of years. And then, of course, the biggest sponsor slash beneficiary, uh, the Port O'Connor Volunteer Fire Department. They always have a team in it uh, or two. And uh, they're one of the teams that always they know that it's basically for them. Right. So if they win, they're the first ones to donate the money back because that means more money for their department which goes to show how important it is to raise money for them. If they're giving the money back, then that shows that they need it, you know? So. Awesome. So I know uh, I brought, so we had one team first year. We did, we did two teams last year. We're going to do a separate podcast with my buddy Ryan, because I'm going to give a little pre, uh, pre-test of that. We uh, brought three boats there, <laughs> ended up having to borrow a fourth boat, and only one boat made it back to Louisiana. So that's its entire, I'm going to give that little tease for a future podcast episode. My buddy Ryan, my buddy John can explain kind of what went down with their boats. And then we borrowed a boat from John. John Taffernick, this guy on this podcast right here, he'll give you the shirt off his back. He let my buddy borrow a boat. Unfortunately, he didn't know how to work an outboard. So he didn't, <laughs> he was, he had to paddle it back to the boat launch. Um, that's the whole separate, we'll, we'll get into all the details, what happened there. But that's why I say these are good, good guys right here. I mean, we're all coming all the way from Louisiana. They've only known us for two years and they let us borrow literally one of his boats. Like, you know, it could have been anybody else. He didn't know us from from Adam. He, my buddy could have driven that all the way back to Louisiana. Guy had a free boat. You never, you know, he wouldn't have done that. I don't hang out with those kind of people, but that's the kind of guys these people are at Red Hedge Blast Outdoors. So appreciate y'all again for sure. Hey, I had another question. Yeah. Uh, what did all the previous winners have in common? So I'm trying to figure out a way that I can get myself in the top five every year, at least to be a contender from out of state. So any insider well, tips or tricks? Yeah, they killed the the previous winners in the past years have definitely killed all their birds for one. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, uh, I think our previous one, winners, limit out. a lot of them hunt that regular. You know, they're down there all the time, and that's not to deter someone from coming from out of state to to uh, hunt this tournament. Um, I I tell you what, I've hunted down here a lot, and I've kind of backed off my hunting i got a six-month-old baby that we you know she i gotta take care of you know with me and my wife we gotta take care of her so my hunting has decreased a little bit but it's it's more or less figuring out where the birds are flying figuring out because you all you gotta do is get in their way when these big rafts down here break up all you gotta do is be in their way you're gonna get looked at you know and that's the biggest thing about it. I mean, like you said, you've killed some limits prior to and this and that. I don't think when I lived down in Port Connor, I lived down there five years. I don't think I ever hunted the same hole multiple days in a row because everybody and their dog hunts down there. I mean, you can wait. I know I live, shoot, 300 yards from the, maybe 200 yards from the uh, ICW. And two o'clock in the morning, airboats getting up from two o'clock until daylight. There's boats going out hunting. 
And they might not hunt Port Conroe. They might hunt towards Matagorda a little bit. They might hunt up the bays and stuff, but you can hear it constant. So I think them ducks get a little wise to what's going on. You know? Sense. Oh, yeah, for sure. So I got it. So step one, kill my ducks. Like I said, day before and then the same day after the tournament, we limit out. So I, I do want to say that I, just, I need some better luck to where I guess I don't need to limit out before. I just need to have bad couple hunts and have a stellar one the morning of the tournament is what needs to happen. But uh, I will, uh, I always, I will change, change, it, change your location. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's what I did this year. So I didn't hunt the same spot the day before the tournament, but then it showed up to a new spot on the tournament morning. I guess you're right. We downed six redheads and four widgeon. And that's what I mean, we were the best in, in the area we were hunting. And when I talked to all the other guys that drove by. Uh, so, yeah, we haven't had very many, uh, repeat winners either. Okay. It's been a, it's been a different, different team. Cause we've had a lot of repeat hunters. We've had teams that have been there since the first year that are still hunting with us. Um, and I don't think we've had the same team win first place ever. I don't think we've had a repeat first place winner. Now, the, sometimes the team might win first place and sweep the tournament because of the way it's set up. There is that possibility. It hasn't happened, but once or twice, uh, but well, we've had that happen, but we've never had the same team come back and win it back to back or it's always a different team. It's, like I said, like you were saying earlier, it's, it's skill, but it's dumb luck, right? How, how big does that duck weigh? Did it eat a, a lead weight that morning? I don't know. <laughs> and that's where our polygraph comes in to, to see if they <laughs> see if they alter that yeah, we do right. check them too even without the polygraph we first place team first place ducks get checked on that note we uh we we feel it on their neck and then uh we we go in and we we check their stomachs make sure they didn't magically slide some some lead past that craw into the stomach so we do check check them out and make sure they're not stuffed if we especially if we have a suspect bird that comes in weighing a little more than it looks like it should, which we've never had any issues. I don't think with anybody adding weight either, but we do check. Good. Good. No, we've never had an issue with that. We know of that. We've caught a, uh, camper bird. Um, we've also, we've had some calls and we've had some stuff about, and I want to really dog people who hunt our tournament and that's this and what i'm about to say is not what we're after this is not what we're after but we've had some teams in the past that after the fact of the tournament was over we heard some rumors that it wasn't um though there they won the tournament but it wasn't a legitimate win because we heard they shot every bird that came in and they mm -hmm. shot way over their limits and all this and we heard gw's got called um game wardens down here got called and they weren't able to catch them and that is un unfortunate that's not what we're after with this tournament that's one thing we are not after we're not out out there to hurt um the population of the birds that we have in our area that's not what our tournament is about um i was on another podcast a while back and they talked about the uh hey, John, real quick, real quick, but real quick we did those we did clear those guys though uh, we, we wound up figuring that situation out. That was just yeah. an air that was, that was put in the air and we had to figure it out. And there was a rumor that was going around. It was not true. They were the winners fair square. They got, you know, right. paid. We, we were happy that they won and we hope that they come back this year, especially if they're going to be, you know, 
they're right. locals, yeah, right? They were young guys, and we like to see young people hunting. Um, so, yeah, and then yeah. see, they're not. And then the year before that, we also heard about another, about another team that uh, they said the same thing, right? Which you're not going to get away with it because we poly. So, it, and that's you know, people will get get upset, right? It's still competition, and it, we're all competitive, even though we're out there to have fun, right? So people, you know, they say what they say, um, but the chances of you sliding it by us are pretty low. You and know, it's, uh, it's a, you can pass a poly. It's a third party polygraph. You have another guy that's a trained professional runner. It's not like one of y'all's polygraph machine. I want to clarify that. So correct. Yeah. We hire we hire a guy uh, out of Houston. Yeah. And he he uh comes in, he does our polygraph for us, and uh that's how we go about uh making sure our winners are legitimate. Um pretty much just how we do it. I mean, and like I said, like we're not out there to hurt the population. You know, we're not out there to kill, have all these teams come down and just slaughter these redheads, slaughter these birds. Not what we're after. Um, we're after putting on a tournament because most of the time people are going out and hunting. Um, besides y'all from Louisiana, I don't know any other team that comes from out of the state. I know we had one team from Kansas come down and do it one year, and I haven't seen them since. So yes, it's sir. not like we're getting we're we're pushing thousands of people into this one location to just massacre all these birds, you know? Right, right, right. I like to I like to knowing that now, I'd like to make an out of state division, please, whenever I get my tournament <laughs> form. There you go. Back anyways. <laughs> honestly, if we if we ever got big enough, we probably have to cap it. You know, I, I hope we get big enough to where we say, all right, you know, first 50 teams that enter are in. If you're late, then sorry, you can try again next year. You know, because we don't want to flood the area with a, the bunch of duck hunters, you know, because we, we do know a lot of local people down there and a lot of local people hunt it. And it's to benefit a local volunteer fire department. Um, and we last thing we want is them to be mad at us for uh, loading the place down with a hundred teams from out of state. So we haven't had that issue yet. Uh, it'd be a nice issue to have if we had too many teams, but right. I'm still working on it. Yeah. You know, I try to, everybody I bring, I want to you know, notate myself. They're all usually respectable people. And uh, I say, usually they, they've been all respectable. It's people we hang out with. That I know closely I'd vouch for personally. So um, we have a little surprise. So my team name is the Cajun invasion. We had uh two teams last year hope to bring back two this year at least i'm working on a third but we got a little surprise we, we made our own team jerseys this year they're getting printed right yeah. now i wish i had one in stock to hold it up and show you so we're uh we're kind of proud of that we got a couple of local local sponsors of you know people that own a couple of really really small businesses that kind of donated to put their their name on the jersey so we'll be repping repping them this year we're kind of excited about it so uh Looking yeah. forward to that. It'd be nice if we saw a Louisiana team come down here and win it. That'd be cool to send the trophy out of state one time. Oh yeah, that'd be hilarious. We would uh we we would love that, but we're we're here to have fun. Like I said, that when that first group of pintails cupped up at shooting time, like we were we were hooked. So we were like, Oh yeah, we're coming back here every year. This is this is awesome. Yeah. So that's if if you don't mind, I, if I, I want to touch on something, you know, whenever you come into this tournament, um your entry fee does cover a shirt and a koozie for each hunter. So we do team, we do shirts every year. We do koozies every year. And so you're, you're, you're not just coming to enter and then having to buy a shirt, buy a koozie, you know, you're, you're getting some free merch 
with your injury. And it's nice stuff. I will say, like, uh, I know y'all can't see this. Dustin's wearing one now. It's like uh, Blades camo. Uh, previous one was like a, a cool hunter safety orange we got two years ago. And it's all dry fit material, high quality. The koozies, uh, I leave one in my truck and one in my top drawer, my koozie drawer at my house. That's one of my favorite ones to grab. And it, it's it's quality stuff. Y'all give away a cooler for early entry, right? A random yeah, uh, so cooler. Early entry, um, we, cut, we have a... Uh, cut off date i think we usually do it around the first of december or maybe december 15th is about when we do it uh if you're not entered prior to that you just enter the night of the redhead uh night of the uh registration but if you're entered prior to we do a random draw and we put everybody every team who has entered um up until that point into a hat and we draw a, we usually let a kid or a bartender at the Sharkies draw the early entry and they're nice coolers. We have them custom painted on the tops with our logo with redhead blast on it and the year. And they're pretty cool. They're all hand painted and me and Dustin have not got one yet. So <laughs> <laughs> I got you. Wait, we're wrapping it up here. Um, anything else about, Oh yeah. You talk about y'all's real quick about y'all's other ventures y'all have besides this tournament. Okay. Yeah. So, um, RHB Outdoors is, like we said, our not-for-profit organization. We are trying to do several events throughout the year. Um, we haven't really spaced out our events properly, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, we have to start out the year. We have a Redhead Blast, which is usually in January. Um, we've done it the first weekend of January. We've pushed it back to the second weekend of January this year. Uh, and we might keep it there. We'll we'll see how everything turn, shakes out this year. Um, our next tournament that we put on, and we, and this was from last year, was in March. We do a, a catfish trout line tournament. You use trout line jugs, drop lines, whatever you want. We do it on Lake Texana and in Edna. And that's, we did that one. We had pretty good success. We only had eight teams do it this year, but we had a lot of fish that uh, were caught. And we Makes we sense. don't, we didn't kill anything that was not necessary to kill. I mean, we released probably over 40 fish that were over 20 pounds. A lot of flatheads. Big blues. Huh? Big blues. Yeah, big blues. Big blues. If it was over 15 pounds, we kept it in a live well, and then uh, it got released awesome. at the end. At the end of the tournament, it was pretty cool. If y'all follow us, we have a Facebook page, RHB Outdoors. I think we have a lot of our uh, videos from releasing all those fish on that uh, that Facebook page. That's where we do a lot of our posting too. Is on Facebook. Um, then this year we added the Sheepshead Derby, Derby the Port O'Connor Sheepshead Derby, first annual. Um, the sheep said like to gather around jetties from about November until about April and December is a good peak for them. Um, and a lot of people go out there and fish. It's just another tournament that we added that a lot of people like to do. So it's just like red, redhead blast. A lot of people duck hunt during that time. So that's why we put this tournament on. Well, during, um, December, like I said, from November till April, everybody goes to the jetties and they catch their limited sheep set out there. And that's just something that is affiliated with Port O'Connor. 
And mm-hmm. so we are putting on a sheep's head derby. It's a three, three man team or no, it's four man team. Four man. Yeah. Up to four people. And we're weighing your heaviest 10 sheep's head because the limit is five per person here in Texas. So we're adding that one this year <laughs> to the books. Um, we actually got a lot of interest in that. I've posted twice about it. And I think our first post was had reached like 8,000 people. And our second post had reached 10,000 people. Wow. What, so, date, what date is that? December the, 8th and 9th, right? Yeah. Sheep said terminated the 8th and 9th. 8th and 9th, 2023. December. December. Yes. I'll put that in the show notes for y'all too. Both these tournament dates and show got listed. All right. Stuff, yeah. that we've, stuff that we've tried to put on in the past. Uh, we tried the rice rocket shootout, which would have been a early teal yes. tournament in September. We're going to revisit that at some point. Uh, probably after, obviously after this year, we might revisit that for the next, next September. And then, uh, it was one thing we're trying to put on, which would just be a straight benefit for RHB outdoors for the brand. We're kind of waiting until we get our, 501c3 for that um but we're going to do a, a fish fry so we want to do a fish fry benefit and that's one thing also that we have that we're going to be adding to the docket so in theory if the red sheep's head derby works out with coupled with uh redhead blast trotliners tournament rice rocket shootout will be at five five events pretty much all Throughout the year, somewhat evenly spaced. The closest we'll have is the Sheep's Head Derby and the Redhead Blast. We'll kind of be back to back there, December, January. But that's that's what we got coming up. We'll pretty much be a year round presence. You won't be able to forget about us. Yeah, man. I think awesome. we're gonna look at adding maybe a, a a clay shoot in there. I, me and Dustin actually went and shot a clay shoot last night. Yeah, which was fun. It was fifty clay shoot. But we we're looking at maybe trying to add a. A clay shoe might be just skeet, might be trap, and, and we might have all the different kinds of little deals in there too. We and that's something we're gonna add. And it's probably be around Texas, around Victoria area where we live. Um, we haven't really had a bunch of interest for us to branch out yet. You know, like like we said, you got to build our name. Once if if we build it and we can move events around to different places, we'll do it. Awesome. Well, you got. Our Cajun Invasion support over here for sure at the Flyways and Highways Collective, the Southern Roots Podcast. So, again, we appreciate y'all. So, I guess the last thing we can touch up on is, uh, real quick, the dates. So, again, that's January 12th and 13th, 2024 for the Redhead Blast Tournament. And that Sheep's Head Derby, December 8th and 9th, 2023. Uh, and you can get connect with them on RHB Outdoors on Facebook. Do y'all have, like, an email or any other contact info you want to leave, too, for the listeners? You can uh, reach me, John Haffernick, at 361-920-1075. You can text me or reach us on Facebook. And then uh, you can get me, my phone number, Dustin Peterson, uh, 361-404-0146. And then Sam, you can hit me on my my phone number, or you can look me up on Facebook and IM me. Yeah, if you have any questions, concerns, or interest about the tournaments that we are putting on about our nonprofit organization, don't hesitate to uh, contact us anyway over Facebook Messenger, over text messages. We'll we'll answer and any questions you have, or and we would love to talk to people about it that don't know what's going on. You know what? We'll answer any questions y'all got. 
Awesome. Hopefully we covered it uh pretty good detail, I think, here. So uh I think that'll just about wrap it up. Any other things you got, gentlemen? Uh no, we just thank you. Thank you for uh, the support for the last couple of years. We love seeing you guys. Um it's awesome to have some Louisiana boys down here in South Texas shooting ducks with us. Uh and then thanks for having us on, giving us the chance to just kind of talk about it on a little bit larger scale than we are used to. So uh Hopefully, uh, the listeners enjoy it, and uh, y'all come see us. Awesome. Yeah. All right. So, again, appreciate y'all. We'll go ahead and wrap it up here, guys. So, again, thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Southern Roost. We'll be signing off. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Southern Roost, the podcast show for the Flyways and Highways Collective. Connect with us by searching Flyways and Highways on Instagram or Facebook. If you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star review on wherever you get your podcast from. It really does make a difference. Tell a friend about our show. Even better, bring someone new into our beloved duck culture. Till next time, this is the Southern Roost, signing off.